Alrighty, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. It is time for the second half of our show tonight. Uh, once again, my name is Michael Beck, joined by uh, one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict, as always. It's time to break down uh, the Steelers' half of the show here. Jeffrey, I know a little bit of uh, negativity sprinkled throughout uh, throughout that first half of the show. If it, was, if it wasn't that subtle, um, I'm, I'm not too keen on the, the Steelers' start to the season, but... Uh, you know, what are your kind of overall thoughts on the Steelers to this point? And uh, is, is it as doom and gloom as, uh, heck, I may think it could be? Um, my, my take is the defense is good if it's healthy and the offense is awful. <laughs> is it and fixable? Is it fixable? Yes. My, uh, as, as you well know, my, my mantra going into the season has been can the offensive line get going before Ben Roethlisberger gets like too banged up to be effective? And I think we may have already crossed that point. And if we have crossed that point, then like the offense is kind of screwed. Like we're, we're kind of doomed here on offense and it's just, can the defense salvage the season enough to make it like worth it, you know, or should we just, like I know, I'm I'm with most Steelers on this. Most Steelers fans on this precipice of of should we actually tank, which is pointless because the Steelers won't do it. Um, so yeah, it's just just whether we whether we pull off enough wins to ruin our draft placement or pull off enough wins to actually have this be viewed as a semi successful season. Uh, to me, at this point, because I I think we're seeing Ben is already getting too banged up. And he's kind of he's kind of seeing ghosts, you know. And uh, the offensive line is is they played their best game this last week against the Bengals, and it was still bad. It was still legitimately bad offensive line play, but it was their best game yet. Oh, that's re- reassuring, I think. <laughs> no, really, Michael. Like, what what's your thoughts on the offensive line this past week? Yeah, no, it was bad. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much as bad as it could be for the NFL. Uh, there's no running holes. Ben's getting his head caved in. It's bad. And somehow there's people out there telling you that will tell you it isn't. Spit in their eye. If someone tells you this Steelers offensive line isn't bad, they do not know what the heck they're talking about. Uh, and <laughs> I, think, I think Jeffrey agrees that that's an appropriate punishment. <laughs> Oh, that's our Canadian. That's our polite Canadian for you right there. Right there. That's that's as polite as you can get about this. <laughs> Give him the old Trey Turner. Uh, Why don't you tell him how you really feel, Michael Beck? I'm going to toss him in a snowbank and get in a hockey fight. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> now, we should oh, we should probably spend some time on Ben Roethlisberger. And here, let's start things off with a positive twist, too. Uh, this game, he is 213 yards away from Dan Marino uh, for six all-time passing yardage. He's one touchdown pass away from 400 in his career. Uh, I, I expect both those things to happen in this game. I, I know one touchdown pass might seem like a lot, <laughs> considering the state of the <laughs> offense, but I, I genuinely think that's uh, those are both things that are going to come off the board this weekend. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think those are both really, really well within reach. I They can... Matt Canada can orchestrate. Uh, I know. I know people are in like fire everyone. Like let's go hang everyone involved in the Steelers' offense right now. But Matt Canada actually has shown he is capable of drawing up a few plays a game, a few plays a game 
to account for the fact that the offensive line can't block and his quarterback can't throw into the middle of the field and he's got receivers that drop passes. Like he's still being able to drop a few plays a game where you look at it and you're like, wow, that's awesome. And then you look at it again and you're like, okay, there's five offensive linemen and they managed to block three people and the play still worked. You know, they're like, that's, that's the kind of stuff he can draw up. So yeah, I think he's going to drop and he's going to have a play to get Ben that touchdown pass. And I mean, 200 some yards, that's, that's nothing in the modern NFL. If you can't throw for 200 and whatever yards, then oh my goodness. (laughs) Well, especially if Ben manages to throw the ball 58 times again, like he did last week, one of our keys this season, Ben Roethlisberger not doing that. And he did it. Uh, I don't really anticipate them kind of getting away from what the offense is right now, uh, especially overnight. Now, kind of on the same mark as those records we just talked about, once Ben takes them, do you think the Steelers become a little bit more likely if Ben struggles for game in and game out to say, well, maybe we should audition uh, our other quarterbacks here and just uh, try to get a jump on uh, on this spot? Or is this uh, just Ben's ship to burn down in the fire in a, a Viking funeral, uh, one way to put it? Oh, absolutely. The second, like, like this is, this is Ben's ship and it's going to go down with him in it. Um, and honestly, honestly, you know, uh, if, if, if you think either of your other quarterbacks have a chance of being your future, future guy, you know, don't put them out there with this offensive line. This offensive line would get Mason Rudolph actually absolutely destroyed. It would, no it would presence. Yeah, he would be absolutely ruined. And Dwayne Haskins, you you've got this offense. You've had all these people practice a Ben Roethlisberger offense, an offense designed for Ben Roethlisberger. Dwayne Haskins can't run that. If you're asking Dwayne Haskins to run that, you're 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 gonna Washington the situation. Like you're gonna just put him in a situation where he is set up to fail, and then watch him fail. That's what you're gonna do. So to me. This ship is Ben Roethlisberger's ship, and it's going to go down that way. Now, I I would like to actually uh, say some positive things about Ben Roethlisberger here. Because Ben Roethlisberger came back, and he didn't just come back. He has put in work to learn an offense that is counter to what we saw from him last season. Last season, we saw Ben Roethlisberger who couldn't do play action. We saw Ben Roethlisberger who was terrible at RPOs. We saw Ben Roethlisberger that didn't want to run out, that wanted to get rid of the ball super quick, that wasn't willing to do rollouts and move around much. He was he was stationary. And we're seeing this season of Ben Roethlisberger who is using play action. I mean, they're still towards the bottom, but he's doing it, right? And he's actually completing some passes out of play action. His RPOs are much better. And he's moving around. And, and for goodness sakes, he's trying to create plays and he's taking hits to do them. Like, give Ben Roethlisberger credit on the effort side because he's put in the work that I think last year a lot of people were looking at him saying, maybe he's just not willing to do this. You know, maybe he's got too much of an ego to do this stuff. I think he has answered that. He is willing to do it. The question is, at 39 years old, is he able to do it anymore? Now, if this sample size, those first three games, is what we get for a seventeen-game season, would you say? Yeah, would you say? Uh, well, I think I already know your answer, but is that the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era? Is it over for him if uh, if this is what we get for a season's worth of games? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
And this is something else that needs to be pointed out. People are like the Steelers. You have a lot of people saying, oh, the Steelers should have just moved on from Ben. Why'd they even bring him back? The Steelers were absolutely screwed. And I, I'm saying that using as polite language as I can for the reality of the situation. Ben Roethlisberger saved them, what, $15 million against the salary cap? I think his cap hit this year is tw- under $26 million. It was 41 He saved them $15 million dollars against the salary cap so if you look at the team as it is right now and say okay what are they if ben roethlisberger doesn't come back first off can you re-sign tj watt probably not which means he's hitting free agency and that's a nightmare can you keep like you, you look at situations like even even being conservative on what they would have lost you're losing eric ebron Straight off the bat, your number two tight end is consistently Zach Gentry and Kevin Radar is on Raider is on the on the roster. Yeah, Eric Ebon drops passes, but he also creates some threat in the passing game. You know, you're not only you know Fryermuth at that point, but also here's the big one to me, and I, and I think I think you can you can support me on this one. If you do not extend, if you do not keep Ben Roethlisberger, if he doesn't save them that money, if they cut him, you have to extend Joe Hayden absolutely have to and we all know from what happened right before the season joe hayden wants more money than he's worth he wanted an extension for more money than he's worth and if you're the steelers and ben roethlisberger isn't your quarterback and you're not saving that 15 million dollars you're paying it in dead cap then joe hayden is someone you have to resign no matter what really and you pretty much have to pay him what you have to pay him to get him to sign and then you're kind of you're, you're you're in a bad situation next year. So for me, like, hey, people, the, they had to keep Ben Roethlisberger. They had to. This is likely his final season. Uh, and frankly, be glad that he came back and gave up five million dollars because he could have been like, no, I'm not giving that up. You can you can pay me what you sign. You know the contract you signed for me, or you can cut me and be completely screwed. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, on the same kind of vein as that, I've seen a lot of people and a lot of people even in the chat tonight bringing up old uh, Devlin Duck Hodge's name. Uh, I do want to throw out there that he is the third string quarterback on the worst team in the Canadian Football League. So maybe, maybe just keep that in the back of your mind uh, if that's hey, uh, if that's the guy you want brought in. He's the third string. He they are the worst team in the Canadian Football League because he's the third string quarterback. That's right. why. Right. Yeah. That's why. Go red black. Detroit Lions should have traded for Duck Hodges instead of Jared, Jared Goff. Goff? Mm. <laughs> Who? That's a that's a spicy take. That I uh, know uh, it's not. I tried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love Devlin so, Hodges. I'm glad he's somewhere where there's good duck hunting. I yeah. love that oh. guy. He's a great story. He's, he's, you know, he's 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 he doesn't have to be a bit. good quarterback. He is a. Um, He's not even a great star. He is an amazing story. He won his first three games. Like, he was a rookie. He had no idea what he was doing in an NFL offense. He didn't under – and Tomlin obviously – like, Tomlin admitted, we can't try to coach this guy because the minute we try to coach them, him, he's going to lose confidence because he's going to realize all the stuff he doesn't know and can't do. So we're just not even coaching him. Like, we're just going to throw him out there because there's no way we can fix this. I loved – his story and that he won three games. It's absolutely insane. And I will forever be a Devlin Hodges fan. 
Yeah, uh, that's that's an A one story. If if you ever heard one, FCS to starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, what a, a year removed? Well, I, I guess that was twenty nineteen, but two years removed from a, an AFC title trip. Yeah, that's uh that's that's pretty wild. Uh, and one that will go down in Steelers allure forever. But I, I guess to kind of get back on track, and let, we can flip things to the other side of the ball. And, and one guy that I know a lot of Steelers fans are starting to get at his neck for not being more of a playmaker. That's Devin Bush, uh, not exactly lighting up the stat sheet. What do you make of uh, the Steelers now third-year linebacker and someone who is definitely a difference maker before he tore his ACL last year? Is he still that same guy? Is this someone we need to be concerned about now, or is this all kind of uh, people uh, making a bigger situation of what it really is? I want to say this very clearly. Right now, Devin Bush is nowhere close to the player he was at the start of 2020. At the start of 2020, Devin Bush was so key to this defense. And and not just like, oh, they'd stink without him. But if you look at what Vince Williams and Mike Hilton were doing on that defense, the numbers they were putting up, the sacks, the pressures, the blitzes we were throwing, Devin Bush was the coverage side of that. He was making up for the fact that we had holes in the defense, but they weren't holes because Devin Bush could cover so much territory. He's not that guy right now. And the hard thing is he started to look like he was getting back to that guy and then he injured his groin. So your question is now, is 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 he going to get back there, right? And that I can't answer. But right now, yeah, when you're not I, – I still don't think he's fully recovered from that ACL. I don't think that's 100%. Uh, and you have a groin injury slowing you down. He's not that guy. He is right now, I would put him in the solid starter category. Like, he deserves to be a starter on this team, but he's solid. The question is, can he get back to what he was? Because in 2019, he was a playmaker. In 2020, he was the guy letting everyone else make plays and covering for them. He was an incredible player in 2020 for those games he was active. And if he can ever get back there, I'm talking like Ryan Shazier at his peak. Devin Bush was there to start season two. Devin Bush was phenomenal. Uh, the question is, can he be that guy again? And I don't have an answer because we saw Lamar Woodley have, an, have, a, have a leg injury and then a groin injury, and then things just kind of deteriorated from there. And he went from being like the guy who was just taking over for James Harrison as the most dominant uh, edge rusher on the team to a guy who is just a journeyman. Right, he's a he's a kind of a starter, and you, but he's not going to do much for you. Hopefully, Devin Bush gets back. That's that's all I can say because right now he is not that guy. So speaking of the ACL guys, uh, and Zach Banner today, uh, the news kind of breaks that he his clock has been activated. Uh, he was on the practice field, so he has 21 days to uh, appear in a, a game, be on the active roster before uh, he would be shut down for the entire season. Uh, because of that uh, that injury reserve uh, return uh, designation that he was given uh, when the season first started, what uh, what do you kind of anticipate for whenever Zach Banner makes his return, and will he he be able to fix or alleviate some of these issues the Steelers' offensive lines had? The minute Zach Banner is capable of stepping on the football field, health wise, he will be the Steelers' best tackle. That is my prediction there. Like. And it's, I don't think that's a hot take. Like, 
Dan Moore Jr. shows so much potential, but potential isn't right now. Shukwuma Korafor, man, in the in the right circumstances against the in the right situations, he's good. Give the guy credit; he did a monster job against Miles Garrett last season. But he game in game out, he's not that guy. Shukwuma Korafor is a great guy to have as your swing tackle, not as a starter. I I, I don't know how good Banner's going to be. But I can tell you he's going to be the best tackle on this team the minute he steps on the field. That's not great praise. That's just, you know, he's going to be okay to to good somewhere in that range. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he's back because, my goodness, some of the plays we've seen from Dan Moore Jr. Uh, and Chukwuma for these last few weeks are <sighs> awful. So slide Zach Banner into that right tackle spot. What is going on on the left side? Uh, considering everyone, let's just assume everyone is healthy. Uh, who is a st- Steelers starting left tackle? I'm going Dan Moore, Jr. Corafor uh, was not good on the left side. I, I didn't like him there. Uh, and frankly, I think I think Dan Moore, Jr. is actually outplaying him right now. Which is sad. I like Chukuma Corafor is worse this year than he was last year. I think the veterans – and this this is something I want to get to is, is also with Kevin Dotson, right? It's not just Chooks. It's, it's Kevin Dotson too. He's not the same dude he was last year. But both of these guys, we got to sit there and look at the people around them. That line had Alejandro Villanueva, Marquise Pounce, and David DeCastro, who no matter how healthy or how good they still were at their at their advanced ages, they were leaders. They went from being like the new young guys on the block with these leaders around them to being the veterans in one season. Kevin Dotson is a second season lineman who wasn't a starter last year, and he is kind of one of the veteran leaders on this line. That's crazy, you know, and he was so good last year when Marquise Pouncey was playing. Kevin Dotson was an absolute monster when he was playing next to Kevin to Marquise Pouncey. I think people don't realize how big of a deal it is when you lose that guy and you don't have your mentor. This is like, you know, I'm going to get nerdy on you here, but this is like Star Wars where, like, they show up in the Death Star and Obi-Wan doesn't come with Luke Skywalker. Like, he just doesn't go with him. Like, that's that's where that's where Kevin Dotson is. Kevin Dotson's like, yeah, get on the ship, Luke Skywalker, and, and Obi-Wan's just going to stay. He's done. He's retired. You know, Kevin Dotson is that guy, and Chukwuma Korfor is that guy too right now. So I, I think the loss of veteran leadership is really hurting this offensive line, and we're going to have to see them figure out who's in charge of this line, who knows what they're doing, who can who can lead, and that might not happen this year. Nerd! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I showed my true colors there. That's okay. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, kind of focusing, uh, refocusing on Sunday's game here, uh, I, I think one of the big things that uh, we definitely need to talk about is how the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to slow down Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. What, uh, what do you kind of anticipate from the defense specifically to try to, to limit what Aaron Rodgers can do with uh, all his weapons? Well, I think this is the right time to bring in like our entire pregame show, our entire pre-show conversation. Uh, which is this game is about one player. Like, really, in all honesty, as bad as the offense is and as bad as the defense has been since he's been out, this game is about one player. 
And this game is about a player who is coming home to play football in his home state who hasn't played the last couple of games. Uh, I want to, for the, for the people listening, uh, one of the questions I asked Michael before this was if, if the trainers try to tell TJ Watt he can't play in Wisconsin, in Green Bay, and what realistically could be his only shot to play at home in his entire career, like would he fight the team doctor to get into this game? I I would say yes. Like I'm going that like TJ Watt would be like, dude, seriously, you're gonna sign this and you're gonna let me play. I don't care what you have to inject painkillers, legal, obviously legal, ah, uh, painkillers, doctor prescribed. Here, put it in my system. You know, let me get out there. This game is about Trent Jordan Watt. This game is about can one guy turn around the entire course of a season for this team uh yeah it's all about him if he is pass rushing like like our guest said if we have a four-man pass rush we haven't had that we had that with tj Watt. we haven't had it without him uh then we can face aaron Rodgers. we can frustrate him we can do some things tj Watt's gonna know that he's watched film he can break down film Keith Butler, TJ Watt, they can break down film at least as good as you and I and, and our guests can. You know, they're going to sit there and know, dude, if you can get to Aaron Rodgers, we can win this game. If no one gets to Aaron Rodgers, yeah, it's another, like, we're going to lose worse than we lost to Joe Burrow. And that's that's really it for me. Is like, how do you slow him down? TJ Watt needs to be an absolute monster in this game. Uh, that's That's it. That's the bottom line for me. Yeah, and honestly, if T.J. Watt doesn't play, <laughs> honestly, I feel like you just start chalking it up as an L. Uh, his status for this game really means like a lot. Having no yeah. pass rush on Aaron Rodgers, he's just going to sit back and pick us apart. And really, that's just the way I see it. I can't see it unfolding any other way if T.J.'s not in the game. Plus, really, if you want to win, if you're T.J. Watt – and you want to win a Defensive Player of the Year award, come in and win this game. Like, you come in and win this game, and everyone's like, wait a minute. This this defense is top of the NFL. You know, if this defense beats Buffalo and beats Green Bay, or at least shuts down, like, a lot of Green Bay's offense, with T.J. Watt and without T.J. Watt is like, I don't know, Derek Carr and Joe Burrows are too good. What can we do? You know? Then – TJ Watt is a defensive player of the year winner right there. Like you just need to put some stats together to convince every, to, to stay in the conversation, but you've got it. You've already won it. So to me, yeah, he is that player. He is that important to the defense right now. He is that important to this game situation. Whatever Derek Tuzga is, he is not TJ Watt. You cannot go in there with Derek Tuzga. You can't. And, and Alex Highsmith is still listed as, you know, he's he's listed as injured. He's limited in practice. TJ Watt has to go for us to have a chance to win this game. Uh, and if we do win this game, the story is going to be TJ Watt. And realistically, the the first game and a half when TJ Watt was healthy, the Steelers looked like a much better team. Uh, oh they looked considerably worse the second half against the Raiders. They looked flat out terrible against the Bengals. Guess who wasn't on the field at, at those times? TJ Watt. That's the difference. Yeah. Well, how many sacks does TJ Watt have? Three, I think, in those three uh, game in a, a game and a half. Three in a game and a half. Like, come on. If you want to average it out, he he's averaging a sack a half 
Yeah. One sack like, per half of football. So if he comes out and does something like that again, maybe gets a strip sack and the Steelers, oh, Lord, please, convert it for a touchdown. Like, that ass swings the game. Like, that's that's what we need. Like, that's it, not – that's not – that's how we win the game. That's what we need to be in this game. This team kind of reminds me of the 2019 Steelers where Ben Roethlisberger was hurt and the, the offense couldn't do anything with, with Rudolph or Hodges. They, they just – the, the offense was just terrible. It, it was hard to watch, and that, that's what it what it has been. And that team was reliant on defensive touchdowns, and that won them, what, two games? Uh, probably a third uh, where they were close to scoring. No, I, I – Michael Beck, I will argue this. I I, uh, I stated that the Steelers' defense uh, in 2019 was Minka Fitzpatrick. The difference in defensive turnovers – uh, was five games. The difference, like, is I, I, like that was my argument was we didn't give up the 18th pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. We gave up a top three pick for Minka Fitzpatrick because the team on defense, even if they were average, that team was so bad on offense that that we would have been a three and thirteen team without Minka Fitzpatrick. So yeah, yeah, we're we're in that category. So uh, I, I guess that, with that said, then uh, we need the, this defense to start creating a little bit more uh, in terms of turnovers. There's that one interception from Terrell Edmonds uh, against the Bengals. Is that key here? Do, do we need to pick off Aaron Rodgers a couple times? Do we need to force a couple fumbles? Is that necessary to win this game? I don't care how the turnovers come. They have to come. And also you need points. So zero Special turnovers. Teams, defense, something. That- you need to get turnovers in field goal range. Right, already in scoring position. So a big goose egg on the turnover kind of category when the clock hits zeros. Did the Steelers lose that game? Absolutely. Okay, so that's absolutely. So far this year, the Packers are zero and one when they have turnovers, and two and zero when they don't. That is uh, pretty key right there. Now, we are approaching the end of the show here, so I I think uh, it is time for us to uh, give our game predictions as well as our final score predictions. Jeffrey, what are you thinking in this one? I'm going to go with the Packers. Packers uh, 20, TJ Watt 16. (laughs) <laughs> I see what I'm you even, did there. I'm not even calling it. This is the Pittsburgh TJ Watts versus the Green Bay Packers. That, uh, that's a pretty bold one. Now, in the history of us doing Know Your Enemy and, and doing this show, I think I've only picked the Steelers to lose like once, twice maybe. Like I have been on the Steelers bandwagon a lot of the time. I think that is about to change, especially if they lose this one as ugly as they lost to uh, the Bengals. I, I just have a hard time picking the Steelers at all. I have a hard time picking the, the Steelers plus seven and a half points. I, I have a hard time until this offense can prove anything. I am just not feeling this team at all right now. I'll go Packers 27, Pittsburgh Steelers 13 in a 14-point uh, loss. Uh, and, and maybe some start some things start to change after uh, losing by a score like that. But uh, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I, I don't really like uh, where this team is standing right now. But uh, – before we call it a show, Mr. Benedict, is there anything uh, you want to plug for the people? Uh, yeah, I'm going to plug my article that came out today uh, on 
Ben Roethlisberger and the one thing he used to do as 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 uh, recently as 2018 when he had a sore arm uh, that he's not doing right now. I put a Phil Brim out there uh, on that. Uh, look, look at that one. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my film rooms I'm the most proud of that I've done. I've got another film room coming out later this week that's just a short one, and it's about – if you saw the Pat Fryer move touchdown, it's about – how Matt Canada set that up and basically how Matt Canada created a situation where the Steelers could score a touchdown with the offensive line, not blocking people, Ben Roethlisberger, not being able to throw downfield to people and receivers not being able to catch the ball. And he still orchestrated a touchdown. Give Matt Canada some love and respect. Look for that film room. Good stuff. Those are always great articles. So uh, I encourage everyone to check that out. Uh, and really, uh, the phrase that we like to say here, and you can join in uh, as I say it, make sure to click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop one for all things Pittsburgh all Steelers. Things Pittsburgh Steelers. There you go. Thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> now, uh, you're going to get everything from the website, from film rooms to, to breakdowns to grades to commentary. You name it, it is over and behind the Steel Curtain. Heck, breaking news. We have breaking news stories all the time running on the website, so make sure uh, you're dialed in to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And lastly, the, the podcast platform has taken off for us. Uh, of course, we have our afternoon shows. So if you're just watching on YouTube and Facebook, you're only getting, what, about a third of the story right now. We have 25 original titles uh, running on our uh, podcast platform. That could be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, wherever. Seriously, wherever you get your podcast from, it is available. Just search up BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You might even be able to just search up Steelers. I'm pretty sure on most platforms, we're usually number one. When, uh, when you're searching that up. So just uh, make sure you're subscribed. Five stars, hit the like button. Uh, whatever your platform does, just uh, whatever you can do to uh, help out, uh, help support us. It gives uh, us an opportunity to make some more great content for you. So once again, I want to uh, thank everyone uh, for tuning in tonight. Uh, and for my co-host, Jeffrey Benedict, uh, you've been watching Know Your Enemy uh, from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live for tomorrow.